Hi and welcome to Adventures in Local Marketing. I'm your host Christian Bannister, Director of Product and Marketing at Bright Local. On today's episode I'm talking with Levi Williams-Klukas. Levi is an SEO specialist at Strategic and we're talking about how to build trust signals within Google My Business. Now there's no lack of discussion and debate about what is considered a ranking signal within Google My Business. But trust signals is slightly different. There is some overlap, but trust signals is something that's much broader and it works as a double header. There's the trust signals your GMB listing gives out to potential customers. So would someone buy from your business? And then there's the trust signals it sends out to Google. Does your business seem legitimate and worthy of ranking? Now, Levi's going to go into much more detail about how we define trust signals. And she's also going to break down which GMB features send out those trust signals. We're also going to talk about what parts of GMB can actually negatively impact trust in your business, how these trust signals can carry through to your website. And finally, Levi will be sharing her top five tactics that will help you build and maintain trust signals within Google My Business. So let's jump into my conversation with Levi. I wanted to kind of kick things off by just finding out a bit more about Strategic, the agency that you work at and your role there. So can you tell me and the listeners just a bit about what you're getting up to and how you help your clients at Strategic? Sure. Um, Yeah, so we're a full-service integrated marketing agency. Um, So we do literally everything from website design and branding all the way through to the really technical SEO builds, all sorts of things. Um, Yeah, have a look on our website if you want to find out a bit more about that. Um, My role specifically, so I'm an SEO specialist. Um, I've been at Strategic for four years. Um, Just gone four years in May, which um, is very exciting because it's my... uh, I've been there a little while now um, and yeah, it is, I've, I've grown a lot with the company. We've, we've grown quite a lot in the last four years um, and it's been really, really exciting to see it all, all changing. Um, yeah, so my role, um, I cover most aspects of SEO, um, but my specialism is local. Um, everyone comes to me for the, what is this thing on Google My Business or how does this work? Um, I'm the the go-to kind of how do we get ranking in this area for this client Um, and I'm also a big advocate for pushing elements of local SEO that would generally be considered only for small you know tiny clients but for everyone Um, it's applicable for everyone in my opinion so um, it's I'm particularly passionate about that hence the uh, the kind of trust signals sort of focus um, for today. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll dive into the topic of conversation, you know, trust signals in uh, Google My Business and local SEO in a sec. Um, but yeah, you touched on it a bit, you know, how it's applicable to everyone. But what sorts of clients are you typically working with on the local side of things? Um, so at the moment, just by chance, we're, we're mostly working with uh, local sort of finance um, and actually the kind of general service type industries. So plumbing, heating, um, you know, all that, those sorts of like bricks and mortar, almost excuse the, the uh, wordplay and um, types of businesses. Um, I, we work with a couple of flooring companies, that sort of 
all those sorts of people that are really it really is a big focus to supply locally and a lot of people like to support those sorts of local businesses so that works really well for us and um, yeah so they're the, the general kind of local businesses we like to support Nice. So it probably goes without saying that Google My Business is a big focus whenever you're working with a a local client. But we're going to talk about trust signals. Now, most of our audience should be familiar with Google My Business and all of the features that kind of support lead generation and also generally how influential it is on rankings. But trust signals is one I've not really heard much about. So I guess the, the best place to jump off is how are we defining that? What's your kind of definition of trust signals within Google My Business? Um, so, I mean, it's, it is kind of a, a Ron Seal situation. It is kind of as it says on the tin. It's sort of stuff that helps your customers trust you that you're safe to, you know, engage with or purchase from or buy your services, um, whatever it might be that you're trying to get your customers to do. Um, they're things that encourage that behavior. Um, amongst your customers and also amongst Google. Um, let's be honest, Google is one of our customers these days. Um, they, it behaves like our customers. So we need to make sure that what we're giving Google is the same as what we would give someone in real life um, if they came to us. So that's kind of how I define trust signals. Um, that's like the easiest way to think of it is how, how are you going to make Google buy from you? Um, <laughs> nice. If you've loads of those things, then Google's going to buy from you and you're going to do well with your customers. Okay, great. So it's kind of a, a double header of the trust signals that you can send to Google, but also the signals that, that customers will see if they're engaging with uh, a business's Google My Business listing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So you can probably dive into that a bit more, but you did mention that it's applicable to all businesses. Is, is that completely true? Is it, is it that certain businesses, these sorts of trust signals are more important or is it across the board, no matter how big or small you are, you need to be thinking about the trust signals that are being sent out? Um, I mean, on a general level, everyone should be thinking about it and it's something that everyone can apply, but it's in different ways for each industry. So I wouldn't necessarily say there were industries that it was more important um, but it definitely industries where they're more visible or more um, kind of applicable, easier to actually apply to your business. So retail, e-commerce, anything that is a tangible product or service. Um, generally, those trust signals are a lot more out in the open. So they tend to be things like reviews and that sort of thing. Other businesses, you know, businesses in the finance sector or potentially medical sector, those trust signals, those uh, classic trust signals are going to be harder to um you know actually give out so and they're going to be harder to get so you, a lot of people aren't going to want to say that they worked with so-and-so divorce lawyer and he was amazing um because that's a little bit awkward so you're probably not going to get things like reviews quite as often with those sorts of industries but there are other ways that you can add those trust signals so i wouldn't say it's necessarily one industry it's more important it's just you have to have you have to understand the different tactics to getting those trust signals um, in places where they matter. And when you talk about trust signals, is this something that you use internally or is this something that you're talking with clients about? Um, we're talking with clients about it more now than we used to. Um, I think it's one of those things that's kind of always just been assumed. Um, and I don't think that's specifically for my agency. I think it's just in general. 
it's assumed that reviews are good and this that you know having a secure website is good it's it's kind of just assumed and not many people actually go into the detail as to why it's important which i think is why it probably doesn't have as much presence in how we're talking about our clients particularly when you're going through branding processes or redesigns that sort of thing this is the sort of thing that's really important to bring to the forefront and actually we've noticed a difference in our um, internal stuff since we've been discussing trust signals as a more holistic way of looking at seo and um, we've found it a lot easier to explain it to clients because we're putting a lot more kind of we're putting a lot more on those trust signals actually doing stuff um, and we know they work we know they're important to have um, it's easy to forget them <laughs> so we're definitely we're definitely going that way i still think across the industry in general there's not enough education in trust signals and how they work and why they're important but we're getting there um, particularly where i am as well we're definitely getting there <laughs> nice so if you had to explain it to a new client you know how what context would you be giving it or how would you go about educating them on the importance of trust signals um so i think I, the first question i always ask is why should i buy from you why would i why would i engage with your business tell me why i would engage with your business and then i say well show me that on your website show me you know all your reviews show me your case studies show me all the people that work for your business and these are all things that incite a little bit of trust in people and make them want to you know engage with you if you haven't got that i'm not going to want to engage with you so why are your customers it's one of those kind of are you actually doing for starters also are you actually doing the job to be able to get those trust signals are you doing a job worthy of people's trust um, which is a hard question to ask <laughs> thankfully we've not had to ask that question um, before but it is something that's worth considering particularly when you're bringing on new clients and you're kind of like that if they're saying we're just not getting enough business you know is we need some help one of those questions can be are you actually doing good enough work to get that that new clientele um, have you got the trust signals because it's your friends and family giving you five star reviews rather than your actual customers um, yeah so that's kind of where we start with asking the questions and getting them to really think about it and then once we've gone through that process of being like right what's actually missing what haven't we got and why haven't we got it we can then go through that sort of problem solving process of how do we generate review requests? How do we um, potentially improve a service line that we're offering? How do we get old customers to give us case studies? Um, all that kind of stuff. So it's very question-based, but we like to try and get the client to engage with it first, um, rather than us saying, this is really important, you should really have it. Um, it's much easier if it feels like it's there, they're promoting their business, rather than us telling them what they need to have. And um, I think people just respond to that a lot better. Yeah, I really like that. I think it's, you know, so common with most agencies who are working with, say, small businesses that, you know, they're always thinking like education is something I need to continually do. But actually, instead of kind of just thinking, I need to preach them why this is important, you ask them the questions first, and they can almost arrive at, you know, the, the understanding themselves. Yeah, exactly. It, it works really well with giving the client a little bit of autonomy across what they're doing as well. So it feels like they're so much more involved in the strategy and what's going on 
if you just give your clients a bit of space to feel like they're really getting involved it's it's more fun as well it's as uh, you know working with an agency that just wants you involved all the time it's got to be more fun than just being told what to do <laughs> yeah definitely uh yeah i guess if they can also do some of the legwork because they have buy-in that then that's going to mean things move much quicker yeah exactly yeah if it's coming straight from them it's it's so much more genuine as well is this stuff kind of measurable and if so kind of what what sorts of kpis or metrics is this going to directly feed into so something i've kind of struggled with since i've been doing a lot of research into trust signals is actually how to measure them um obviously things like reviews really easy to measure um an average and how many reviews you get and how often they're all the sorts of things that you can kind of work out you can probably get some kind of fancy sheet that someone's built um, to give you all of that information. And obviously you can get all that from Google My Business uh, on the dashboard. Anyway, so it's that's that one's all right. But the rest of it, I think a lot of it. So for us, we use a little checklist um, that is basically called How Trustworthy Is Your Client? And we go through a checklist of things that they should or shouldn't have. Obviously, it's industry applicable. So some of them, you know, don't have, we associate a point system to it. And it's essentially the ones that have the lowest number of points. They're the ones that need the most help. Um, so a lot of the time it is just, have you got this or haven't you got this? Um, if they have, we can kind of assess the quality of what they've got. So they might say we've got case studies, but they might be, five words we've worked with so-and-so and that's it um so it is kind of a it's kind of a case-by-case -case situation i don't think there's an easy way to measure how trustworthy your business is um other than just genuinely talking to customers um i think that's something that's quite often missed out and is much easier with smaller local businesses to actually discuss with customers um how they feel about things you know would you recommend little the little feedback forms that you can put on your website to say would you recommend us to a friend please just let us know it doesn't have to be a sign up or anything like that um you know all of that sort of stuff kind of adds up to a general idea mm -hmm. um i mean if anyone has any kind of good measurement systems absolutely let me know um <laughs> but i've only ever really used the obviously the reputation manager in bright local for all the google my business stuff fantastic i use that one all the time but the rest of it i think is quite hard to measure um it's kind of got to be a case by case and how we judge what good looks like because good will look different to every single client as well with the advent of digital marketing i think there's this over reliance on everything having to be measured yeah and that's because you know there is so much that we can measure and probably there's so much that we don't need to measure all the time, you know, just drowning ourselves. And I guess in a lot of numbers, metrics and having KPIs that don't actually kind of align with, you know, business goals. So, yeah. you know, it sounds like, well, maybe it shouldn't be measured is the kind of thing. And maybe the measure should be, are your customers talking about your business in a positive light? Let's start with Google My Business. You know, what are the features that double as trust signals? Um, so obviously the most common one, the one we all love, reviews. And um, I won't sit on that one too much because we all know how it works. 
Um, I should hope at least if you don't, there's plenty of blogs on it on the Bright Local website. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, so a couple of other things that they do. So the Q&A function, um, I think is a really important trust signal that is quite often um, left out of people's strategies. If you just look like you're answering people's questions in a friendly and um, accurate manner, as a business owner, immediately people are going to be so much more comfortable to speak to you or potentially even ask you something that, that you they might think is stupid, you know, um, that it just little things like that can add to trust. Um, posts is another really good one. Um, posts are one of those things, that, again, I think a lot of people ignore um, and a lot of people do them wrong. A lot of people just think it's a social post. Um, it's they're so valuable um, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, so posts, you can kind of insight an extra little bit of trust, like, you know, we've got these new hires or we've got this great new client or promoting a case study in a slightly different way as you would to social media. It's, it's, it's almost a little bit pull marketing with Google My Business and posts as opposed to the kind of push marketing in social media and email so it's it's kind of a those are the two that i think are the most underrated um functions or features within gmb but then also just gmb in general having a profile that's accurate and filled out and um, all of that sort of stuff, having photos having reviews all, all those things coming together kind of doubles as its own massive trust signal <laughs> um as well as the individual features yeah. And I guess, you know, there's obviously lots of content that, you know, business owners or agencies working with business owners could be adding. So photos being a really good example. And obviously the um, user generated stuff as well, I can imagine has a real high trust factor associated to it. I find that, you know, sometimes people are kind of viewing Google My Business as this is something that needs to be completed. It's like, just need to optimize it or like, oh, my competitors have like 20 photos. So I'm going to add 25 and job done. Do you find that there's a kind of thing in the industry that Google My Business is effectively a completion thing, but actually it's more than that. It's about those, those kind of trust signals that can be sent out by high quality content. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get it all the time. People saying, oh, I've optimized my profile. Why isn't it doing much? And I'm like, when did you last touch it? Oh, I don't know, 2018. <laughs> I'm like, that's why Google thinks you've not done anything for like three years. Um, all of that sort of stuff. I absolutely see it all the time. Um, I think it's I, it's one of those things that doesn't get enough maintenance from businesses, particularly small businesses that don't have time. Um, it's something that they kind of, it's very easy to be like, that's done now. You know, I'm sorted. I don't need to look at that again for a long time. Um, it's, it absolutely, as we know, should be updated weekly at best and monthly at worst. Um, and I mean, and we it, we even have it now. Some of our local clients will be like, can you do this this month? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But don't forget, we need to update this. And don't forget, we need to keep it, keep it fresh and, and keep it going because you wouldn't leave your social media profiles for three years. So why would you leave something that's even more visible and even more in front of people when they're looking for you than your Facebook page. Yeah, that's probably one of my biggest trust factors, actually. A dead social media profile of a company just has like flagged straight away. And it's just almost like, just get rid of it, right? 
if, you, if you're not yeah. going to use it, just get rid of it. I mean, is, is that the case like in Google My Business as well? If customers can kind of generally see that just things aren't being tended to, does it basically have complete opposite? And instead of the opportunity to build trust, it massively reduces trust. Yeah, I mean, I think especially now that we've got the the features that says last updated um, on certain parts of the the profiles, I think that's going to become an increasingly bigger trust signal when people can see when things were last updated. Um, I think it's quite obvious if it hasn't been updated for a long time because the pictures all have dates on, you know, the, the questions or the reviews are all old. Um, to, for me, that's a... a a proper turn off for a business. I don't really want to go to your restaurant if your menu hasn't been updated in two years. Um, there's no way you're still serving exactly the same food as you did two years ago. So why not update it? Um, yeah, I 100% agree. I think, and I also think Google's now seeing that we know that Google takes into account, you know, activity and things being fresh and updated the same way they do with blogs. So if we're leaving it to do nothing, but we're updating everything else. We're basically leaving the one thing that's really easy for Google to access as the least important thing. And it's kind of like, that should be the first thing everybody's thinking to update because Google's going to trust us so much more if we're prioritizing Google over everything else. And so Google, have they specifically said, you know, what trust signals they're looking for? So if we were to break it down by features, I guess there's the obvious trust signals we can send out to customers when they view the profile. But as Google actually kind of stated, you know, what things people need to be doing on an ongoing basis or what features they're looking to to build trust in a business? Um, I mean, we know for certain that reviews are taken into account, um, particularly for uh, map pack rankings. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of just a case of we have to hope um, that... <laughs> That Google's taking it into account so it's, it's been suggested the whole keeping things fresh keeping things updated we get all kinds of studies about how profiles with more photos tend to rank better um, profiles that are regularly updated tend to rank better but as far as I know there's no like official this is what we're looking for um, obviously we have things like EAT guidelines so we can use those as things like um, having team bios, all that sorts of stuff on the actual website. But in terms of what they're looking for outside of that, um, there's there's nothing to my knowledge that says uh, outright what they're looking for. It's kind of just a guessing game of, this is what I think would improve my trust in a business. And therefore what I hope would improve Google's trust in my business. Um, and we kind of have to do it that way. But to be honest, I think that's a solid way of doing it anyway, just because Google is, basic like we said google is basically a customer now mm -hmm. um, and it treats everything like a person searching would rather than being just an algorithm um, so i think that's a solid way of of kind of making sure you're ticking all the boxes it's just thinking how would i deal with this um, how would i experience this if i was a customer and you can test it on your friends if you want you know it's it's kind of like would you want to buy from this business they'll know exactly what you're doing after a little while but <laughs> Um, you know, I often test it on my partner and say, How, what do you think about this? Um, and he'll either say, oh, I like that. That's good. That's, ha that's handy. That's helpful. Or yeah, I'd buy from them or, you know, or he'd be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, and that'll give me a really good quick indication as to whether I think I'm ticking all those boxes for Google or not. 
I think, yeah, it's a kind of important one for, I think, whenever you're doing SEO to not just kind of go by what is a ranking factor, right? To like not yeah. do posts because, well, we don't think Google looks at those and you're just like, well, what missed opportunity to kind of put engaging content out or promotions out to customers. And so, yeah. you know, I guess it's the sense of like, just because something isn't a ranking factor doesn't mean it's not important for, I guess, what most SEOs are trying to do, which is, you know, help their clients, you know, generate more leads and grow their business. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's uh, SEO is much more user experience than it used to be. Um, yeah. That's something I'm really passionate about uh, combining the two. And it's, well, I might, might be a little bit ahead of it being like only treat it that way. Um, but to be honest, I'd rather be ahead of it than behind it. Um, I'd rather do that than still be chasing algorithm updates and you know as an agency we don't tend to have to worry about things like that because we're forward planned and we treat seo in that way so we treat our we essentially treat our users um in that way and we we look after our users which means google loves our websites um yeah it's as simple as that really (laughs) yeah i mean you know google couldn't have been clear i guess uh with the page experience update that you know the experience of of your website is going to be important in determining whether you should rank but it's not just that it's just like well if you had a a crap website in the first place then you know why would you want that in the first place surely you want a website that works for your users and works for your business helping them find the information they need or find trust in your business so they can potentially become a customer exactly yeah yeah so i think that i think there's generally been a trend in seo i mean i've been working in seo you know over 10 years and way back when where you know user experience wasn't really something that was considered a core skill set or a core area that seos needed to be working in and then i think just over time it's probably a bit of an evolution of kind of the maturity of the industry of you know wanting to be able to show results but also they've had to respond to the fact that google you know is evaluating websites on that level and it's not just a case yeah. of well we've got tons of links and it's just like yeah but if google doesn't want to rank your site because it's steaming pile of uh, dog mess then <laughs> then you're gonna have bigger problems yeah exactly yeah how would you say the the kind of trust signals that maybe start in gmb then translate over to say the website is there is there a connection between the two or are the trust signals somewhat separate i think it's one of those things you should you should aim for. Um, so on almost all of our websites that have that kind of uh, local visibility, we will have a address map box that always has the, the GMB API. So it's always got the star rating on the profile um, and pulling in things like reviews from Trustpilot or reviews.io or one of the many other ones that you've got. Um, that's a really good way of bringing off-site trust signals on-site. Um, and the same goes with things like um, consistency across the two. So that is something that I don't know would be considered a trust signal, but kind of contributes towards where if you've got a GMB profile and I don't know, you're a, a shoemaker and you make certain types of shoes. If your categories on GMB, your products on GMB and your services are all the same as the way it's presented on your website, you're kind of that's more a Google kind of trust signal. But that consistency, I think, translates really well between the two. Um, it's essentially treating your GMB profile like an extra website mm-hmm. rather than just a, a profile. So that's kind of how I, I like to keep it um, in terms of like 
putting them together and work and making them work together. And then obviously things like sending people to the right page when they click on website, where are you sending them to? Um, if it's a restaurant website, they're either going to be looking for how to get to you, which they can do on the profile anyway, or they're probably going to be looking for the menu. Um, so you kind of know where you want to send them, or if perhaps it's a branch of many of your uh, your restaurants, you can send them to the appropriate restaurant page. That sort of thing, little things like consistencies like that are important to consider when you're kind of pulling that information across from GMB onto your site and encouraging that bit of trust. But I do think that's a bit more of a Google trust signal than a people trust signal. Um, <laughs> Uh, slightly to contradict myself but yeah um, google sees that much more than people do but it still contributes yeah um so i can imagine trust is something that just needs to be maintained it's not a case of we've got great photos we've got some good reviews so what might be some examples of where you need to be consciously kind of building trust um so obviously the easiest one for people is reviews um the one that we've had the most success with is reviews as well um, so we actually have done, we've done all sorts of things to help our clients generate reviews and we've helped them design little flyers and postcards. And, um, I, one of our clients used to stick fridge magnets on their clients' fridges. And when they went to fit a boiler, nice all that sort of stuff that we kind of, we encourage that, but we also encourage it, the activity to come from the client rather than from us. Um, same sort of thing as we were talking about earlier, it helps them engage and they start to do it naturally. Um, but our kind of most successful one, I think, is automated email. Um, so we work with a lot of e-commerce clients. And just that email afterwards, it says, thanks for your purchase. Please rate us. Or once they've got the delivery notification, hope you love your product. Please give us a review. Um, that sort of stuff works so well in encouraging that generation of those reviews. And when you've got a lot of reviews and they're all really good, um, obviously not all of them are always going to be really good. Otherwise it's a little bit fishy, but yeah. <laughs> if most of them are really good, um, people are much more likely to be like, if you say to them, Oh, I know we fitted your floor. Could we come and take some photos and use it as a case study? Um, they're so much more likely to be like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that because you kept in contact with them. You sent them a nice email saying, please leave us a review. The name's already on your profile. Um, it kind of just maintains that engagement, but it does require your client to be willing to do that as well. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned, you know, not all of them being good, but actually that can sometimes be a good thing. Because I think there was a an Amazon study where they where they looked at all of the the review data on products, and they found that actually a kind of five star reviewed product was viewed as a bit fishy. You know, people were a bit yeah. skeptical that, you know, everyone had given it five star, even if maybe they were all completely legit. It was just, you know, the best product ever. I sometimes think like trying to just only solicit, you know, reviews from like the most positive customers because, oh, you know, what happens if we, you know, get a negative one can potentially hurt your trust because it's like, yeah, people are going to go, well, you know, this, this doesn't seem right. Like how can they have like no four star or three star or two star reviews? Yeah. And I think one of the important things about bringing things like reviews onto your website, so that kind of collaboration between especially GMB and your website is that, so we've had a couple of clients that have said, oh, it pulls my reviews in automatically and somebody's left me a two star, can you remove it? And our answer is always no, 
we can't remove it because when we remove it, we're not being transparent with your customers. You need to have that transparency with your customers. You're not going to do a perfect job all the time. Um, you're not going to be five star to everyone. And some people are really hard to please. You could have done the best job you could ever have done in your entire life. And they'll still probably only give you a four star. Um, that's just just the, the way of the world. You know, that you kind of just have to accept that. And if you're filtering it out, for starters, you're not listening to those people that are giving you reviews and giving you things that you can improve on. Um, we've had a similar situation where we noticed something kept coming up in reviews that were negative, and it gave us an opportunity to fix something about the business that was fundamentally having problems. Mm -hmm. And since we've had much better reviews on that service, that part of the business. So it's one of those things that's like, that is a negative trust signal if you've only got amazing reviews. Um, everyone should be... I would say the, the the perfect is between four and 4.5 stars. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it does start to seem a bit, oh, is this just your mum and your girlfriend leaving you reviews and not actually genuine customers? Um, no one loves you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So on the topic of negative reviews, um, how would you work with clients if they got, you know, a one or two star review? Are you guiding them on how they should reply? Are you, are they kind of well coached in, in the fact that they need to be doing it and doing it in the right way and, you know, not all of a sudden kicking off with somebody, you know, cause I can imagine that, you know, that's something that can obviously hurt trust, you know, yes, yes, we don't want just five star reviews, but how a business responds to a negative review can obviously be a turnoff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's something that we very quickly mentioned to clients. Um, obviously, we have access to the majority of the GMB profiles that we manage for clients, which means we get the notifications when somebody leaves a, a rubbish review. Um, and almost every time we'll go to the client and say, have you seen this? Um, would you like us to help you draft something up to respond? Um, a lot of our clients are getting really good at it now. Um, so it's the general advice is, be friendly. Sometimes your worst customers become your best customers. So if you treat those people well and say, look, we're really sorry you had a bad time. We're trying to fix whatever it was that was broken that made you upset. You know, don't immediately go on the defensive is kind of what we tell our clients um, because it's then a case of reputation management. Once you've done that and you've gone all guns blazing and told people that they're horrible words, um, you kind of lose that you lose your tone of voice as a, as a as a business you know you lose everything that's important about treating your customers with respect and i think that that is a big part of it we're kind of like guys come on you need to be nice to each other and um, these people could be some of your most valuable customers so respond to them in such a way that you would want to be responded to if you had a bad time because they're probably going to come back if you say we're really sorry here's a 20% off discount code or next time you get free delivery or something like that, they're probably going to come back to use it and you're probably going to get a good experience the second time. Um, if not third time's the charm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, I guess it's the one-to-one -one relationship with the customer that, you know, you really should be trying to resolve. You shouldn't just, you know, bury your head in the sand. And then it's the knock-on effect 
for every other customer who either sees a lack of response or sees you, you know, responding in a really childish way or a really aggressive way that that's where you're probably going to feel the bigger impact. Yeah. I think it's especially important with smaller local businesses as well, because you're likely to be known in the community um, you're likely to have friends or family or, you know, people that know who you are in the community who runs the business. So when you start uh, on the defensive, um, you're immediately not not only are you losing trust in your business, but you're also affecting your per- potentially your personal life. Um, so it's yeah, it's really important to to keep an eye on and to make sure that whoever is potentially responding to reviews has the appropriate uh, training and or uh, some kind of guidelines for how to respond to stuff that's negative because not everyone deals with it very well which is fine but <laughs> you have yeah. to learn when you run a business all right so you said that generally you know it's a case-by-case basis for most clients but if you were to say like top five things that without fail you're going to be focusing on for a client what would they be in terms of either kind of tactics or, or features within Google My Business? Um, so reviews, definitely number one. Um, as you can tell, I love reviews. Um, photography, I think, is really, really important. And almost every business can have good photography, um, regardless of what you do. Um, Q&A, similar situation. You can have a lot of Q&A without disclosing any important information or anything that might be sensitive. So um, that's number three. Um, Number four, probably posts. Um, Again, if you've got it on your website, you can put it on GMB. Um, It's just as useful there as it is on your website and probably more people are gonna see it, Um, especially if you're a very small business that doesn't use your website particularly, uh, you're probably gonna get more interaction and more engagement on uh, GMB than you would on your site. Um, And then finally, um, I think the consistency across your categories and products and services, depending on what sort of business you you kind of run, that consistency across everything, um, obviously that's not just GMB, but aligning your GMB with your website, again, that can be applied to any industry. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be just for people who offer a tangible product that you can buy. It can be for people who do literally anything. Um, if you provide a service, even if you only provide consultation, um, you can still do that. So, uh, yeah, they're my kind of top five things within GMB that we should be always looking at. Amazing. Yeah. Really helpful. I think for everyone to kind of have a clear idea, because I can imagine it's quite broad, but those five things, if you're going to tackle anything, tackle those. Um, How about photography? Like, you know, are you working with clients to kind of arrange photo shoots? Are you leaving them to it? Are you offering them some kind of guidance on how they can get some high quality uh, photos to add? Um, So we, we actually have a video team within the agency. So most of the time it will recommend that they use our video uh, our team um, if it's not something that they can fit within their budget or something that they're not comfortable with or they have their own um, you know photography service that they, they prefer to use that's fine we will often just have kind of like a consultation with them and say 
actually we think this is the sort of photography you need um sometimes we'll get the external photographer whoever's doing the work if it's not us come to us and say is this is this right is this, is this what you need um and that's that goes alongside with website projects as well so obviously a lot of the time we're building websites and we're applying these beautifully taken photos into our websites we can essentially be like right take it like you are taking it for a new website that's what's valuable for gmb um and people photos photos with people in absolutely just smash it people love those photos it's nice to make it personable it makes people want to engage and it makes people more comfortable with dealing with your brand if you don't just look like a, a picture you know if you're not just a logo applying those people to it, it makes it just so much easier to engage with people because you know there's a person on the other end of the phone or on the other side of the twitter handle or whatever it is however you're engaging with them people being there makes it so much easier to justify um and it means you're probably less likely going to be really mean in a review if you had a bad time. If you can see <laughs> that there's people that work there. I think that's, yeah, it's a really uh, interesting way to kind of look at why high quality photos are important. Because I can imagine that if you're, a, say, a pure SEO like agency, like, you know, we don't touch creative. Actually, high quality photos and high quality content you know on your gmb is gonna just really help you uh, kind of move the needle in, if you're just kind of focused on the rankings and lead side of things yeah exactly uh, so we always ask our guests you know two questions and the first one is what's the one skill a local marketer or a local seo should look to develop to further their career over the next one to two years um, so a lot of people are going to hate this, but I'm going to say networking. Um, <laughs> I'm quite an introvert. Um, I don't particularly enjoy networking at like big events and stuff like that. It's not really my vibe. But getting involved in things that are, you know, I mean, getting involved in stuff like this, um, you know, mentoring programs, um, anything that can encourage a little bit of conversation. Um, absolutely do especially if it's locally based so i have worked done a few talks and stuff like that for local business um owners in the area um in suffolk and they've been really valuable for a lot of people so and it, it makes you feel good because you're helping people um you don't necessarily get loads of clients out of it but it's good practice if you're like me and you're a bit of a nervous speaker um you know that information is going to help people and it leads you to kind of make those networks that your client also has. So knowing a bunch of the other companies that your client has, you know, goes and plays golf with, um, that could not only obviously potentially get you a bunch of new clients if you do a really good job, but also it means you understand who those people are engaging with, what they're doing, what they do in their free time, and it helps you understand their business better. Um, so networking is in any shape or form, 100% what I would say is, is the best kind of skill to build if you're not getting anywhere or you feel a little bit stuck um, with career progression. 
Yeah, I think that's the first time I've heard the networking come up when I've asked this question. So, um, so you say you're an introvert and you also said you're a nervous speaker. I mean, quite frankly, hasn't come across at all in this conversation. <laughs> so I guess what would your advice be to, you know, somebody who's feeling nervous, somebody who's a natural introvert in like how you take that first step to get out there? Um, so for me, it was online, doing everything online. Um, you don't have to meet, go meet loads of people in person. Um, my kind of biggest step forward was being part of the Women in Tech SEO mentoring program. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an amazing mentor called Miracle and she taught me loads of stuff. Um, a lot of the time, the nervousness and the introversion comes from not being 100% confident in what you're doing. Um, and sometimes you just need that somebody else to say, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Um, and you need that little bit of reassurance from someone you don't know as well. I think that's quite important if it's someone you don't know. Um, so reach out to people online. All it has to be is, hey, I follow your Twitter account. Love your content. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to have any um, result. It doesn't have to, you don't have to go out to people and say, please, can you be my mentor? You know, it doesn't have to be anything really forthcoming. Um, but just engaging with people online gives you so much more confidence when you then do eventually have to go to big conferences again. You know, when Brighton opens up, there's going to be a whole bunch of new people in the industry that, you know, we're not, we've never seen before because they've had an opportunity while everyone's online to build up their confidence. Um, and that's where I got all of mine from. That's why I'm sitting here about a year ago, maybe two years ago. I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this because I didn't have anywhere near as much confidence in myself and what I could do. Um, Yeah. Nice. Uh, Yeah. So obviously where we are with the last year and a half, you know, having to work from home, you know, conferences being cancelled, it's kind of maybe leveled the playing field a bit, made it available for anyone to kind of go out there and, you know, just potentially be building their personal brand or just, you know, making great friends within the community. So you mentioned uh, women in uh, tech SEO. I hear nothing but great things about that. So we'll drop a link in the show note if anybody who's listening wants to check that out and become part of that community. Final question is, if you could go back to when you first started out and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, (laughs) it would be go straight into SEO. Um, I started out in digital PR. Um, I had no experience and my boss took a punt on me, um, and said, we can teach you. And they did. And I decided I really did not like it. Um, it was not, it was not my, it wasn't my calling. Um, and as soon as I got the opportunity to move into SEO, I realized the bits that I liked about digital PR were the SEO elements of it. Um, and I've, I've been a pig in mud ever since um, moving into the SEO team at Strategics. So uh, that's what I would tell myself if I could go back four years, I'd say, go for, go for an SEO role or ask if they can put you straight into an SEO role because you'll be happier. <laughs> nice. Well, I guess at least you know that digital PR isn't for you. So you're not going to have your head turned. Well, Levi, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you. Uh, I think that this topic is really interesting. I mean, when you suggested it, uh, when I invited you to come on, you know, it wasn't something that I was that familiar with. But actually, as we've been speaking, you know, this is stuff that I know. This is stuff that is kind of a no-brainer if you are marketing your business online, offline, wherever. 
And it's really interesting to see how this kind of idea of trust signals can translate into the work you're doing with clients. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it's definitely underestimated. So I'm hoping it's brought a bit of light to something that's really important. Thanks to Levi for joining me today and giving us a really unique perspective on Google My Business. We know that Google My Business is a hot topic in local SEO, so it's great to be able to come at it from another angle and actually take a bit of a step back to understand more about the role it plays in building trust in a business. Now, I've got some news to share. This is the end of Adventures in Local Marketing, season one. Sorry to scare you there, we aren't going away, but we are gonna take a little break to plan out season two of Adventures in Local Marketing. We launched this podcast around 12 months ago and we've had some great guests on and covered a wide variety of topics. We put this out there with a rough idea of what we wanted this podcast to be. And along the way, we've learned a lot about what really works. So we're gonna use this time to think again about how we can take the podcast forward. With season two, we want to have a theme that covers the entire season. So we're really excited about what we have planned and we'll be able to reveal very soon when we're back with season two. Thanks to all our guests who have appeared on season one and to everyone who's listened along the way. So it's goodbye for now, but we'll catch you again very soon.